Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on Fridays in May, each film touches upon Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Goya or the Hard Way to Enlightenment and the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie at NortonSimon.org. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from Alleist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at laist.com slash sweeps. LAist Studios. Hey, y'all. It's the end of the year, so today we're going to rerun a few of my favorite episodes from 2023. Enjoy and happy new year. Feliz año. As a kid growing up in Compton, I always wanted to be a temptation, but I can't sing, but I can write. I don't have to worry about being a baritone. I don't have to worry about being a soprano. I can just use my basic voice and be a part of this group. One thing about black music, most of it comes from storytelling. You got all those sad stories, all those stories of people's lives that were put to music. Hip-hop is just another vehicle used to tell stories from my community. That blast, that, that, that impact. Combine that with a nice bass line and a funky beat. Your head's gonna bob, your feet gonna tap. You can't help yourself. Hey, and that's just the power of music. I'm the one who needs no introduction. Cause I'm the world class doctor. The master of seduction. I can heal all your ills. Hey y'all, this is How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. August is a special month. It's not only summer and my birthday month, but it also marks 50 years since the inception of a legendary music genre, hip-hop. There are a bunch of theories and stories out there, but most agree we can trace the beginnings of this genre back to August 11, 1973, when DJ Kool made the world's first beat in the Bronx. Others say we should look back much further to when folks first started speaking with some rhythm over music. Whenever and whatever the official origin, this is a type of art that started as a new, radical genre of music and over the last five decades has become a cornerstone of American and L.A. culture. West Coast hip-hop, there's a lot of flavor. Giving birth to regional heroes and worldwide superstars. Easy stood here and did his demos. Then he later threw Ice Cube and Yella at me out of my own studio because he was too embarrassed to do a rap in front of anybody. I remember first hearing this West Coast hip-hop sound when I was a kid from my neighbor's yards or car speakers whizzing through the street. Power 106 radio station bumping. It wasn't something my Mexican family grew up with, but even back then, I could feel this was the L.A. sound. 
So in honor of this 50-year milestone, we had to hit up someone who lived in that era to take us back to the origins of the sound. An absolute legend in West Coast hip-hop. How do you want me to call you? Lonzo? Mr. Williams? King? Godfather? Godfather. <laughs> Godfather Lonzo. This is Alonzo Williams. I'm known as Grandmaster Lonzo. I'm also known as the Godfather of West Coast hip-hop. And you are here in my studio at my home, the mecca of all things West Coast hip-hop. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets trying to consume some... Lonzo has been working in the industry for more than 40 years. I'm not a one-trick pony. He's a DJ, music producer, former club owner, and leader of the world-class Wrecking Crew. I owned Eve After Dark, ran Dudos, ran Skateland, owned Crew Cut Records, created the first music distribution company. Right now, I'm in the process of getting a street renamed after Eazy e in the city of Compton, yes. We're in his studio today in Gardena. There used to be a time this whole room was full of equipment, keyboards, I still got speakers up in those, behind those panels there. And there's been so much music history made here. It's like the Motown house of West Coast hip hop. Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kinda odd. This is where Lonzo made the first Wrecking Crew record. He also recorded and produced hits for hip hop legends Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, and Easy e here. It could be, it's just, it could be haunted with, with music. And before that, the house was owned by Johnny Otis. He was the king of R&B back in the day, the godfather of R&B. And he had just got a pile of money, got rich, and moved to Altadena. So this house became available. He got a cool little chick named Rockin' Billy. Their mutual friend and jazz icon, Etta James, who lived right next door, also recorded a lot of her generation-defining music right here where we're sitting. Etta James... She lived right on the corner. She had recorded here, knew about the house, found out I just got a pile of money for my first record deal from CBS. You need to buy Johnny Otis's house. Why? They got a studio. Worked out beautiful. At last. Because now I have a nightclub and a studio, and I'm 25 years old. Love has come along. So we wanted to start way back in those first moments when hip-hop, or West Coast hip-hop more specifically, started to become a thing. Lonzo said it all started with dancing and disco. So let's let's start off there. Uh, You said you started in disco in 76. 1976, fresh out of high school. My first name was Disco Lonzo. Wow. Well, you know, in the beginning, it was all about partying. It was all about dancing. It was all about having a good time. Coming up in Compton, I went to Catholic school, St. Albert's in Compton. And one of the things we did on Fridays, we had dances. We didn't have video games. We didn't have some of the same luxuries kids had today. We had a much better time. When I got out of high school, I had the opportunity to go to broadcast school. And going to broadcast school in the 70s, the hottest thing on the radio at that time was disco. And it was taken over by storms. 
So I jumped on the bandwagon like so many kids did it, and I became Disco Lonzo because it kind of rhymed. You had orchestras doing disco music. Okay, Barry White came in with a full orchestra to do his music. It just was a great time. More on the history of West Coast hip-hop after a quick break. Support for LAS comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Goya or The Hard Way to Enlightenment by Conrad Wolf and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Buñuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on consecutive Fridays, now through May 31st. More information at nortonsimon.org. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish, rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back with How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos, and we're talking about the evolution of West Coast hip hop. The energy around disco died down a little bit towards the late 70s. There was a lot of racism and homophobia at the time. And because of that, disco started to get some really heavy pushback from the mainstream. The women love disco because you get to twirl around, your dresses get to fly around, the guys get to throw you around the whole nine yards. But then when the guys realize some of the artists that look kind of effeminate, especially when you have groups like Foxy, those guys look, you know, they look very effeminate. And it just didn't work for the average macho man. When that happened, all of a sudden, overnight, disco sucks. But almost instantly, a new kind of sound began to take the L.A. club scene by storm. Funk music. I'm a funketeer from way back. Most funk music, at that when it first came out, it was always dance-orientated. So it, it worked well with disco. You got George Clinton come out in the early 70s with Flashlight, Aqua Boogie, uh, One Nation Under Groove. All these songs were big dance hits and they were well produced and in some cases they kind of interwoven with the disco songs. At one point in time you had like a big sandwich of multiple genres of music being played at one club. I remember even after dark we played Tom Brown a lot. Okay, Funkin' for Jamaica. Genres, every genre had its own appeal to various people, and it just made for a great era of music. And disco was the foundation of a lot of that. That's what I grew up on, and it just made my life that much more interesting because I could listen to music, it would change my mood, change my spirit. The big thing for a band to have was a hot horn section. The horns were everything. KC and the Sunshine Band were known to have big horns. 
uh, Tower of Power known to have big, great horn sections. Earth, Wind, and Fire had great horn sections. That's where your musicianship comes in at. Funk music, that was something that was ours. It was a sound of the young urban blacks of the 70s. Disco was cool, but it wasn't ours. Then funk came around, and the guys who were making the funk, he started seeing less instrumentation. It became the basis of hip hop. How you feel, brother? Feeling good. You feel good? Feeling good. so much bone, brother. Funk is very repetitive. It does the same thing every four bars for the most part. Like James Brown is a master repetition. His grooves don't change that much. You know, he, he does the same thing for maybe 16 bars. He'll take you higher and bring you right back down again to the same 16 bars. And then when the sampling came around, oh, it just that's, that's that's our forte. So you got guys sampling uh, funk records to create hip hop records, and it just worked. As a club promoter, Eve After Dark, it was very successful. But like any business, it started to take a dive. It's, you know, people got comfortable. Other things started happening. People started venturing out. So we wanted to find some way to keep people coming in. So I started bringing in, bringing in different acts like Curtis Blow, Run DMC, and uh, people start coming back. This piece is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. Here we go. When you listen to funk music, if you can't play a, play drums or have a band, music was not attainable back then. You know, in the coming up in the 70s. If you didn't know a music producer, but now we're starting to have mechanical machines, a drum machine that you can sit there and tap on and make drum sounds. You can get a keyboard and sample. You can get keyboards that can do almost anything and it became possible. And I'm 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 an innovator. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. This was 1983 when Lonzo formed the pioneering electro funk group, the world class wrecking crew. Also known as the originator of West Coast hip hop, it was Lonzo, Dr. Dre, DJ Yella, and Michelle. Dre and Yella later went on to form NWA, which was the beginnings of gangster rap. But more on that later. We made our first record called Slice, and it went aluminum. It didn't sell that well, but it was our ba- it was the basis. We had parties on the weekend, and we made records during the week. Sometimes we made underground mixes, and sometimes we would do bringing people to do demos, whatever. And all of a sudden, it took off. We started making more records than giving parties. And we made surgery and juice, and shortly after that, we were next thing you know, we were we were local celebrities going on the road. Days a week, he's on call to get the party people up off. How would you describe the West Coast sound versus people who have, you know, the roots in Atlanta or New York, even Miami, right, which is have their own scenes? The West Coast sound is based on funk. 
we started off with being electro, electro funk. And bass is the key to the funk. So we had, all our songs had, you know, very distinctive bass lines and it gave you a lot of energy. It was up-tempo. And because we were DJs and we played in the club, we also knew we had to have slow records for the women. And that's why we called, we considered ourselves a dance and romance group. With all these legends being born, this was a huge time for music in LA, but specifically for black culture. All these records, disco, funk, hip hop, were the sounds and stories of black folks. Stories that were embraced by everyone and came to define pop culture. But really, black voices have always been the heart of American music. Blues, jazz, soul, gospel, they all paved the way for what we now consider pop music. Most of it comes from storytelling. Whether you're a slave, it could be a slave on the, on the cotton field of Mississippi, and you're here, they may have a song, it's not a song, but I, you know. We're going to the east tonight, we're headed to the north tonight. You know, we're gonna go to the river and go to the left and throw a few strokes, you know. And that was, that was the, the way of communicating what we're doing, you know. You got all those sad stories, all those stories of people's lives that were put to music. Can I sing a verse? So all that right there is a part of the stories that have been told over the years. And hip hop is just another way, another vehicle used to tell stories from our community. There is a story. With the explosion of hip hop and all the genres that led to it, Black voices are still the ones carrying the music industry through telling stories. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. So this time, in the mid-80s, when legends like Dr. Dre and Ice Cube were getting their start, it was a moment here in L.A. for hip-hop and across the country. But then, the scene got pretty dark in the late 80s. When the crack cocaine came around, all of a sudden the world turned into gangsters. Big sight, <laughs> new, Hank. From a historical standpoint, gangster rap killed electro funk. Then the streets became the primary place where everybody wanted to be. Dance floors were obsolete. All eyes on me. That shift came faster than the death of disco because nobody was expecting it. It one day we were partying, we were doing, we were jamming to uh, Rob Bass and World Class Record Crew and Heavy D. People had haircuts cut to the side and you know doing their thing. All of a sudden, everybody turned turned around and the whole world was boys in the hood. This was the era that belonged to NWA, Ice-T, Cypress Hill, Too Short. East Coast versus West Coast beef hit a high point. Artists from other regions across the country got in on it. It lasted well into the 90s, early 2000s, when artists like Sean Puffy Combs, a.k.a. Diddy, and then Jay-Z entered the scene in New York. 
Here, it was all about NWA and Eazy-E, but it also belonged to Tupac, Snoop Dogg, not to mention female artists like TLC and Mary J. Blige. And still, hip-hop and rap music lead the sound of pop culture. And you can hear this history, the disco, the funk, soul, gospel, and gangster rap in music today. One of these lives, I'ma make these right with the wrongs I've done. That's when I unite with the father, son, till then I fight. Rain on me, put the blame on me. Got guilt, got hurt, got shame on me. Got six magazines that's aimed at me. Done every magazine was fame to me. It's a bedroom man. What does West Coast hip-hop mean to you? What does West Coast hip-hop mean to me? It means it was a new beginning. It gave a young skinny kid with a lisp opportunity to do something that he never thought he could do. It gave me a career. It gave me a legacy. I'm getting videos of guys like Ice Cube telling people how I helped him, how I influenced him. Made my life very interesting. And for a guy whose dad told him, ain't that much DJing in the world? For a DJ who's not known worldwide as a DJ, to be able to achieve as much as I have because of hip-hop. It's been a great ride. It's a fantastic ride. LA that made LA so great in so many ways we spread out we, we got Lone Beach we got Pomona we got the Valley we got the LA Central and there's a lot of small cities surrounding LA LA County is huge and everybody wants their own recognition so when Compton made its stamp on hip-hop Lone Beach had to follow Mona had to follow, Inglewood followed, and they created the competition, but also helped anchor the West Coast. And then the West Coast, they said, oh, Southern California's doing their thing, now Northern California's doing their thing. And you got Too Short, and you got Digital Underground, so just between California alone, you got a whole lot of hip-hop. And most of it sounds totally different. And that's the beauty of the West Coast. That's all we've got for you today on the origins and evolution of West Coast hip-hop. That was Alonzo Williams, the godfather of West Coast hip-hop, hip-hop historian, and an absolute legend. This episode was produced by Megan Botel. Our other producers are Monica Bushman, Evan Jacoby, and Victoria Alejandro. Tomorrow, we're staying on the hip-hop beat. We'll talk to Tyree Boyd-Pates, an L.A. speaker on black culture who knows a lot about this genre of music and where West Coast hip-hop is at today. Catch you next time. Adios. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. 
one lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.